Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker, down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz is only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Boom. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live on AtTheHive.com. It's Tuesday, and we are live in the Gittimer.com studios in beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson. Now, this week, I'm joined by a very special guest, a guest host. In fact, David Walker has the week off Welcome in, guest host. Adam Chin at Baseline Buzz from formerly Bobcats Baseline, Baseline Buzz. Make sure to follow Hive Talk Live on Twitter and visit online at HiveTalkLive.com. That's right, HiveTalkLive.com. You can listen to us live there. You can also catch up on all of the latest treats that we have there. Uh, and and listen to us live every Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. If you miss a show, don't worry. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us that five-star rating. And Stitcher, listen to Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan anytime, anywhere. So uh, welcome in, Adam. You're, you're, you're now a regular on this show, I think. I mean, you've been on it a couple times now here in Season 3, and, and we're all the better for it. We, we always enjoy your commentary, and you had some great stuff there. Uh, on on draft night and for our pre-draft special uh, we've got a lot to talk about it was summer league free agency uh, this offseason hasn't been as eventful for the hornets but it's still been pretty exciting whatever bismack biombo the greatest nba player in charlotte <laughs> hoops history has been let go you're in sad and all of twitter are you sad or mad tears are you sad or mad um or are you neither Here's the deal with Bismack. Bismack is a very likable, super likable guy Mm -hmm. who has a difficult time playing the game of basketball at full capacity. Okay. Um, He has a lot of positives, and we all know them. But, hey, let's let's be honest here, Doug. Two years, $6 million on the open market. Mm -hmm. Anyone could pay him any money they wanted. He got two two years, $6 million. From in the a time Raptors. from the Raptors during a time when there is exorbitant spending right around the league. It's so. interesting. Although I will say this, yes, he did sign for basically three million dollars a year with the basically the biannual exception, a little more than that. But he signed pretty quickly. And there's still a lot of guys out there. So we had that initial rush, which always happens, and, and money gets thrown around everywhere, and then um, uh, you know, it sort of takes teams a little while to figure out who exactly they want to go after. So, but I, I was surprised at how quickly Biz got scooped up, and maybe he just found the right situation. He is friends with Masai he there is. in Toronto, so maybe maybe it's less about money there and just more about situation. Yeah, and and I wish nothing but the best. Oh, for Biz. absolutely. I mean, Biz, I want him to succeed first, succeed as a Hornet second. So 
yeah, good on you, Biz. Absolutely. All right, let's get to some summer league action. It's it's heating up there in Orlando. In fact, we before we went on, we had the, the game three for the Hornets there in Orlando, and the Hornets finally got a win. Uh, so we we lose the first two. Frank yes. Kaminsky was probably the MVP of that first game, and Troy Daniels lit it on fire in the second game. But both of those L's for the Hornets summer league team. But uh, the Hornets finally pick up a victory in Orlando. And uh, I think it was a victory for the Hornets, but it's also just been an over. I think it's been an overall victory for the Hornets in summer league because some guys are playing really fantastic basketball. Oh, absolutely. Um, Kaminsky, you know, he's shown you when I say you, I mean, Hornets fans as a, as a whole, he's shown us a, uh, an ability to play professional basketball. He looks like a professional basketball player and he does all those things that you want to see in the future next to someone like Al Jefferson, next to Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Uh, today he went uh, three for four, uh, I believe. Wait, I'm sorry. He went he went over two from three-point range. But the previous three games, he really shot well, mm-hmm. around 500 from uh, from three-point range. And and he, his movement is solid. Defense needs some work. Right. Uh, I like what I'm seeing so far. Okay, so with with Summer League, you don't have a lot of time to practice. You've got a lot of guys who are not necessarily trying to make the Hornets roster, but just trying to make a roster, not necessarily in the NBA, but maybe in some other places as well. So you don't have a lot of time to gel, figure things out. So that brings us to our first Hornets Hot Topic. Hansel, so hot right now. Hansel. Adam, we talked about fantastic performances for the Hornets Summer League, including Aaron Harrison, but how much should we really take away from the Hornets Summer League performances we've seen so far? You know, Kevin Pelton from ESPN Insider wrote a piece on uh, on what Summer League means, ultimately. And really, it only matters for rookies, right? And you you want to watch Harrison. You want to watch Kaminsky. And to a lesser extent, you want to watch Harrison and Daniels. Mm-hmm. Because those guys, you know, Kaminsky, Hairston, and Daniels are under contract, right? Right. So as long as they're performing at a decent level, you're happy. Now, of course, there's one guy in that list that hasn't been performing very well. P.J. Hairston. Yeah. And and that does give you pause as a fan. And I'm sure it does with the... Uh, with the front office as well. Well, and and look, it's not just been uh, the shooting inconsistency. And, you know, we, we came into this with a couple of guys in Aaron Harrison and Troy Daniels and P.J. Harrison, three guys that really needed to show they could do more than what they either showed in college for Harrison's example or Troy and P.J., you know, that they could be more than shooters. I feel like Troy and Aaron have done that. P.J., hasn't even shown the ability to shoot and there have been speculations that he was a little out of shape and I have to say I was a little speculative about that because you never know with guys you know sometimes they put on weight they put on strength and they look a little bulky uh, but but overall they're they're still in shape but after the performance I saw in, in game three he was he was sucking wind pretty hard yeah and and that's you look at him and it is far away from a stereotypical NBA body. Mm-hmm. Like he is chunky. He mm-hmm. this is the chunkiest n- player on the Hornets since Boris Diaw. And he was a Bobcat, obviously. Yep. But this he he's a chubby guy. Someone was comparing him to Al Jefferson being out of shape. No, 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 no. Al Jefferson, if you see him in person, he's 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 in he's in decent shape. 
Mm-hmm. PJ Harrison looks chunky. His arms are chunky. He says he's put on muscle. It looks like like country boy muscle, like he's been out lifting hay all day, eating you know heavy yeah. foods. It doesn't look lean and and and, and sleek. And, so. and it's translating. I mean, you can clearly see it. it you know, yeah. he's, he's he's late on defensive rotations. Uh, his shot is short, and that's a that's one sign immediately that fatigue is starting to set in. So PJ struggling, and and he's a guy. You know, when when you have other guys in summer league like Aaron Harrison, like uh, like Troy Daniels, like even Brian uh, Quale, who are stepping up and giving great performances, not so good for a guy like PJ who already had question marks around him. But big time we'll, question marks, right? We'll leave PJ there. Let's let's talk a little bit about Frank. And by the way, coming up on this show, we've got uh, Chris Barnwall, writer for uh, excuse me, editor for At the Hive. Uh, he'll come on. He's live in Orlando. He's been watching all of these. Uh, performances that we've been talking about, all of these games in person. He'll have uh, his scouting report, some in-depth stuff there from Chris Barnwall coming up here in a few minutes. But I want to talk about our impressions of what we've seen out of Frank. Um, and, you know, I, I won't say that I was initially skeptical. I was surprised by the pick of Frank Kaminsky, but I wasn't immediately skeptical of the pick. And the more I watched Frank and some tape of him in college, the more I got excited. And I think in, in this summer league, He's given fans every reason to be optimistic about his offensive ability, but I also think he's given fans every reason to wonder about his, I won't even say defensive impact, but ability to just stay on the floor defensively. That's going to be the biggest question. Um, You know, in a lot of ways, they drafted him as an alternate dimension Cody Zeller. Mm -hmm. Okay, ever since Cody's come into the league, the Hornets have desperately tried to morph him into a pick and pop floor stretching big, right? He wasn't comfortable doing that and hasn't. He's gotten better. He's got a little 18 footer now at the elbow, but it's still hesitant, right? right. Frank, Kamin- Frank Kaminsky will just launch it. I mean, he's ready to, 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 to put it up whenever. Cody Zeller's mobile on defense and has become a plus defender in terms of a team defender when he's on the floor. Uh, Frank Kaminsky, at the moment, it is a worry. That said, you're going to have the two best, potentially the two best wing defenders uh, in the Eastern Conference next year with Batum and MKG um, playing uh, small forward and shooting guard. And and so given Clifford's scheme of keeping the penetration at a minimum. um, You have less to worry about. And that goes back to the whole Bismack Biombo situation as well, that you don't, you don't necessarily need a designated shot blocker. It certainly helps. But if that shot, if that said shot blocker cannot stay on the floor offensively, then again, you sort of have the opposite problem. All right, we'll talk about our overall summer league thoughts. We got some ballers and followers, some guys that have impressed us in summer league, uh, and, and some guys that that haven't. Uh, and uh, we should talk about sort of Justice Winslow and Stanley Johnson. We'll get to that uh, here in a minute, and we'll also talk about the new coach uh, for the Hornets as well. Uh, but first, I want to get to the guest on the Hive Talk Live Hotline. He's live. He's in Orlando. Chris Barnwall from At The Hive. Chris, how you doing? Doing pretty well. How about you? Good, good. Uh, so, Summer League, I mean, tell us what you've seen. Uh, are you imp- are you impressed with what Frank Kaminsky has offered the Hornets? Uh, impressed isn't really the word I would use for it. Um, I've been satisfied. <laughs> oh, he, he'll leave you satisfied. Well, okay, well, ta- <laughs> so so what, what has satisfied you? I, I imagine it's on the offensive side on the floor. Yeah, the three-point shooting has been good. The pick and roll hasn't been terrible. He's been 
letting the game kind of come to him, which is not a bad thing. The problem is that he's really not doing a lot to assert himself, and he could probably do a little more on that end. Has he done enough to really sort of soothe some of your fear that, or, or anyone's fear that he may be another one of those Michael Jordan pick busts kind of deals? Well, it's just summer league, so you can't, you can't have to take it all with a grain of salt, but, and I personally never thought he'd be that kind of player, but yeah, he definitely doesn't look lost out there. He doesn't look like he doesn't belong. He mm. looks fine. Uh, Chris, this is Adam Chin, baseline buzz here. Uh, I got a question for you about PJ Hairston. How does he look All in right. person? How does he look? Does does he look out of shape to you? Does he look just kind of awkward and and unorthodox for a basketball player? What, what do you? What's your impressions of PJ in summer league? He looks about as big as I always thought he looked on TV. I mean, he's always looked kind of like kind of a big dude. I don't know if that means he's always been overweight or if he's always been thick, but he doesn't really look like he's out of shape. I'm more concerned with the fact that he's not really playing well despite a year of NBA experience. Like, he still looks like he's just forcing things. I mean, maybe it's just because Summer League's not really a system, so it's just having him gun a bunch, and that's not really where he belongs. He needs to belong with, like, sitting in the corner with an offense that allows him to just spot up and shoot and come off screens. But that's really more concerning than his weight or how he looks. As far as physically, he looks fine despite the injury today. Yeah, I was going to say, so he gets the injury to the shoulder, so he may not even see any more action, yeah. you know, for the rest of summer league. So he may have already uh, set his impression. We're talking to Chris Barnwall. He is uh, live in Orlando at the, the Orlando Summer League. Let's talk about Aaron Harrison. Uh, has he done enough in your mind uh, to warrant an invite to training camp? Oh, definitely. He's been one of the better players in the uh, summer league, on summer league for them. I mean, Aaron Kraft actually left today to go join another roster because he was getting so little playing time, most likely because Aaron Harrison was taking it all. Harrison's playing marvelous as far as summer league goes. I mean, there's no reason he should be getting a training camp invite at least. Yeah. I mean, he was, uh, he's very athletic. I mean, he can finish around the rim and he, he showed some uh, pretty, pretty cool stuff uh, in this game three. But I think the question around Aaron uh, is, and and Coach Ewing brought this up in one of the post game interviews, is is can he get others involved because that offense uh, he's is going to be secondary. You know, they're not going to look to Aaron Harrison to score if if he were to uh, to make the roster. Uh, have you seen that in his game? Has he been able to create for others consistently? Yeah, he's still really kind of understanding he needs to do that. He had, uh, I think, four or six assists today, which is a pretty good number. He definitely understands that he can't always be looking for his shot. Of course, that's kind of a hard mindset to get out of when you spend your entire career looking for your own shot. But he's getting there. He had a really nice play today where he used his dribble to create an open space for the lane for uh, the cutter, and then he just dropped a dime to him, and it was great. It was like, that's a point guard move. And because he can finish at the rim, that kind of creates that threat of drive, of a drive that allows him to open up uh, shots for other players. So I think he'll be fine as long as he, he has, can get stuff that he can develop with, you know, get the training camp spot. Chris, what do you think about Troy Daniels? Is this a legit display of his ability? Do you see him continuing this sort of shooting into the regular season? Yes and no. I think it's a great thing that he's shooting this well. But let's not forget, he's going up against summer league defenders in a summer league environment. 
whereas literally they're just asking him the gun. I think what's been more impressive is that how much he's been handling the ball, which kind of tells me they're going to ask him to do a little bit more creation for himself if they need to. So he's more than, you know, just someone that stands in the corner all the time. I mean, the shooting is nice, but we have to remember that he's going up against defenses that aren't really ready to handle good shooting like him. So we're going to talk about this a little more, um, but wanted to get your take on this. I mean, obviously people are going to, uh, especially people who follow the Hornets, are going to look at sort of a Frank versus Justice kind of thing, even if it's unfair. Uh, people are going to do that. Uh, have you made any kind of comparisons in your mind? I mean, what are your thoughts on Justice and what he's been able to show uh, at Orlando Summer League? I mean, it's hard not to make that comparison, especially when they're both flying in the same summer league. Because you see Winslow, and he just he shows the potential. He has those moments where, like, oh my goodness, this guy could be a superstar potential. Well, then you have Kaminsky, who's just he's kind of letting the game come to him, or come to him throughout summer league. He's not really asserting himself, so that kind of doesn't get fans very excited. But you're right that the comparison's unfair. But really, he's stuck in Charlotte, and fans are going to have to get used to that. Kaminsky's a fine player. He looks like he'll be a fine player. He just needs to probably be a little more assertive throughout summer league, or maybe the fact that he's playing with the game coming to him is good, considering he's going to go to a team, Kemba Walker, Michael Kidd, Chris, and Al Jefferson, where they're not going to be asking him to score all the time. And Chris, do you think that this Winslow's ability to get into the paint and to draw fouls, is that something that uh, will continue when the games start to really matter against the legitimate NBA competition? It will sort of, but it's definitely not going to be something he's going to be doing as well as he's doing in summer league because he's going up against NBA bodies, NBA muscle. He's not going to be able to force his way. Guys are going to be so much quicker. They're going to stop, not let him draw those fouls. But I think he'll eventually, when he bulks up a little, especially in his second year, he that will become a big part of his game. I think that's going to be a big part of his future. That Dwayne Wade and James Harden style, just drawing really good fouls while driving. Talking to Chris Barnwall from AtTheHive.com. He's live in Orlando at the Orlando Summer League. Uh, Chris, it's it's kind of tough to be surprised uh, with a guy in Frank Kaminsky who played you know, four years in college, National Player of the Year. There's a lot of tape on this guy, but has anything surprised you about Frank's game uh, just seeing him in person there in Orlando? His ability to dribble, one thing that he's definitely going to be bringing to the NBA is a pump fake and a dribble. Like, that's something he's shown throughout summer league that he's very comfortable doing. He will pump his man into the air, and then he will drive right by him. He goes straight to the rim, and he'll use his length to get there quicker than anyone else can get there. Obviously, that'll be a little more difficult when there's other seven-footers around, but that's a really great skill of it that he's going to have. He also has shown some uh, nice uh, quickness on his feet that'll look really good on defense. Uh, what, one more question about Troy Daniels. I had a, a, a follower on Twitter ask about his role next year on the team. I mean, we've obviously got Batum there so solidly in that two spot, and then behind him, Jeremy Lamb and, and Troy Daniels. What do you see his role being now that you've seen him in action in, in summer league? What do you see his role being early in the season? and then kind of project what you think ultimately Troy Daniels ends up being for the Hornets this season. I think he has the potential to be a the eighth man in their rotation. He'll kind of come in when Batoon is playing small ball four or when he's on the bench or when they want land at the three. 
or heck, maybe he could even be a backup point guard for them. Like they've had him doing a lot of stuff with the ball in his hands throughout summer league. So I think he'll start off as kind of like that eighth man rotation. If he plays well, he'll solidify himself into that rotation. Might even take Lamb's spot if Lamb doesn't play well. If he doesn't play well, he'll probably fall out of it. It just depends, especially with his defense. If you know how Steve Clifford loves his defense, if he's not defending well, he'll he will definitely fall out if he's not producing on offense at least. Great stuff, Chris. Last question. You've gotten a close look at at Coach Ewing. What do you think about his coaching style, philosophy? Have you gained any insight about that? Because we a lot of people always speculate about his coaching future. What are your thoughts? Uh, it's summer league, so it's hard to get a good. It's hard to get a very good look at his coaching style. I mean, there's not very much you can do without a system defense and without players that have been around long enough to run complex offense. But it looks like he's doing a decent job. I mean, as far as summer league goes, really, I'm more so enjoying listening to him talk. He's hilarious. Like, <laughs> the stuff he yells at Brett, the stuff he like, like what? For example, what have you have you heard anything specific? Um, what was a what was a good one he had earlier? He had one that had me in stitches earlier. Um, he was talking just the way he talks in general. You know, he you know, oh, I got a good one. Today in post game, uh, he was getting ready for. Uh, he was uh, finishing up talking to us, and we had all turned off the recorders, which is kind of shooting it with, while we were waiting around for Troy Daniels. And he walks up and goes, "Yeah, maybe he's Troy Daniels." And he goes, oh, "He just needs to shoot to grab 14 rebounds again, and then maybe he'll be good enough to be in our rotation." <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, yeah, that's all you got to do. That's all you got to do, Troy. Uh, no, it's great, uh, great, and and you know, Ewing has shown. Uh, an ability to kind of say things that that get up under players in the right way and, and, and motivate them. You, you have. I, I got one last thing for you, Chris. You've been there. Your favorite 2015 lottery pick thus far. Ask it, say it again. Your favorite 2015 NBA lottery pick that you've seen in summer league thus far. Who is it? Probably Stanley Johnson. Stanley Johnson is just really fun to watch. He's got an attitude that if he learns how to direct it in the right way, will make him just one of those guys that you either love or hate. He has like 3.8% body fat, which is like just insane. The dude has so much muscle. He has so much skill. I really liked watching him. Chris Barnwall at The Hive. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Barnwall. He's live in Orlando. Uh, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you soon too. Bye. So great stuff there from from Chris. Uh, and, and again, continue to follow him on Twitter and, of course, follow at the Hive on Twitter as well for updates from the Orlando Summer League. So good stuff there. You know, I think Troy's a, Troy Daniels is an interesting guy to project in terms of what he can do for this Hornets roster because there's such an opportunity behind, behind Nicholas Batum, but also because we lack – that definitive backup three, you know, there's even more opportunity for um, for Troy Daniels to move up into this rotation. So, you know, because Jeremy Lamb, tall guy, doesn't handle the ball a lot. Troy, if he can better handle the ball, then there's going to be situations where Troy can come in and and play. You know, like again, small ball. You play him beside. You could play him beside Kemba. You could play him beside Roberts. Yeah, I mean, that's a you know, a lot of people, a lot of fans. Uh, Hornets fans think about Troy Daniels. They think about a throw-in in a Mo Williams midseason trade, mm-hmm. right? No one ever thought this guy was a, a legitimate uh, part of the roster. 
you know, but you look at what he's done in summer league and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. This guy was really good in college. And, and we, we've seen what he's done here in summer league and that, you know, Clifford and show are stacking, like they're doubling, no, they're tripling down on the triple, mm-hmm. right? If you look at every single move they made all summer, if you can't shoot, you're not on the team. I That's mean, right. every single one of those Hawes, uh, uh, Kamensky, Batum. Uh, Batum, Lamb. If you if you can't shoot, we're not even going to look at you. And all the guys he let go: Biombo, Henderson, mid range shooter, mm-hmm. not three point shooter, uh, Lance, of course, and uh, down the line, they're, they're, they don't they they want to get rid of the non shooters and bring in all shooters. If you're just joining us, we just talked to Chris uh, Barnwall from At the Hive. He was live uh, in Orlando. You can check this. Uh, you can check that interview out after this show. Uh, it takes about 15 to 20 minutes for this show to go up onto iTunes. But subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search Hive Talk Live. I'm joined guest host uh, this week, Adam Chen from Baseline Buzz. You can follow them on Twitter at Baseline Buzz. Adam, let's let's shift the focus back to the guy that everybody wants to talk about, Frank Kaminsky. You know what surprised me about Frank? The fir- the very first bucket is a catch and shoot off a pin down screen. Yeah. Like that again, I just I, what what excites me about watching Frank Kaminsky is all of the the little things that he can do on offense that you go, "Wait a minute. A guy his size shouldn't be doing that but he is doing that and he's doing it well yeah i mean you look at those those uh those three-pointers hitting that first game picking classic pick and pops mm-hmm. at the top of the three-point arc and that's one of the spots uh, i believe it was uh, frank burnt the uh, mullins mania or uh, mullins mania or mullins mafia mullins mafia mafia yeah uh brought it up on twitter that was one of the the the, the, the parts of the three-point line where that where the hornets struggled with the most when josh mcroberts left mm-hmm. the, mcroberts was nailing that shot the above the break, uh, above, three. yeah, above the break three, and that's something that Kaminsky's always excelled at. So to see him hit a couple of pick and pops from that area must have made Clifford smile. A little well, bit. and you have to think about this, right? There, so we talk about it's only summer league. Well, that sort of works in Frank's favor as well because his game, uh, or a lot of that pick and pop game, depends on the guy getting him the basketball, and so he's hitting these pick and pops off of uh, pick and rolls that aren't. Uh, you know, sometimes the the guard isn't patient enough, or or there's a, a you know a mishandle or a mispass, and, and he's still able to to corral these things in and knock them down. So, I, I've been extremely impressed with Frank's his comfort on the offensive end. He hasn't. I agree with Chris that he hasn't been assertive at times. Like times he'll disappear, but at the same time, when he has the ball in his hands, he and this is what we a little bit of what we complained about with Cody early on in his mm. career, like. He wasn't thinking two, three steps ahead, and you can see that with Frank. He's thinking, "All right, I'm I'm going to drive it to this point, high post. I'm going to spin, and then I'm going to come back and try to go up and under, like, and then executes it." Will he be able to make that shot when he's got in it, you know, NBA level bodies around him all the time? I don't know, but he could get fouled. He could, and the, the lack of hesitation mm-hmm. is so key because he's going to fit right in with this team, fit right in because. He, the, what he's doing now, and we're complaining that he's not being a serve enough. This is more of the role he's going to play during his first sure. season. Let, let's face it, Clifford's not going to play him twenty seven, twenty. He's not going to thirty one. He's going to play yeah. eighteen to twenty minutes, right. right? And then he's going to fulfill a role. And Clifford has been really good about this. Look at every single rookie he has developed under his watch for the Bobcats slash Hornets. 
it has been you do two or three things mm-hmm. and just excel at those two or three things. Sep- simplify the game. And Frank's going to do the things we talked about, pick and pops. Uh, they'll run a couple pin down screenplays off of them. And, and that's it. Can we, I have a little bit of a bone to pick with NBA Twitter or, or, you know, sort of basketball heads. I don't really buy this. It's only summer league thing. There, there are certain performances where you go, okay, of course they're not going to do, you know, 22 and 10 a night. You know, Stanley Johnson's not going to get 22 and 10 a night. Uh, Frank Kaminsky's not going to average 31 minutes, so he's not going to get that volume of of stats. But at the same time, I, if I remember Trey Burke struggling mightily in summer league, and everybody came out and said, "Oh, it's just summer league. Don't worry about it. He's fine." And we've seen like Trey Burke hasn't been fine. Yeah, there's certain things in summer league you can't put too much stock in, like. To me, shooting percentages. I don't. I don't pay attention to shooting percentages because, again, you're trying to get your shot up, and you don't really care about necessarily perfect selection like you would be in an NBA game. But I think comfort, I think aggressiveness are all things you can look to and go. I don't care if it's summer league. I expect Frank to go out and dominate summer league. I expect Stanley Johnson to go out and dominate summer league because they're not playing with NBA level talent. That's a good point. That's a very good point. And that's my bone to pick. I, you know I, I, I'm sorry. Let me let me that, take my soapbox and put it over here. That's hey. By the way, there's uh, someone else who struggled uh, in summer league in his second summer league. Vince McMiambo, aka greatest center in the history of Charlotte Hoops. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna piss a lot of people off I on am. Twitter. <laughs> I've already I already have. I already have. Uh, all right, let's uh, it, look. We've we've talked about summer real quick. Ballers and fallers. Uh, uh, talk about one guy who uh, outside of the Hornets summer league that has really impressed you, and then one guy that. That hasn't from this draft class 2015 i like johnson a lot too i again we haven't um we have to see him against real nba competition i wasn't mm-hmm. super high on johnson mm-hmm. coming out of school I, I thought he would be good not great i thought he'd be limited i want to see him against real nba competition real nba length because mm-hmm. his shot's a little bit low where it comes out it's quick uh which is good but I want to see him. And then there was also this talk of him playing the, the four like Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. Like Draymond's got like an inch and three quarters on him, I believe, at last check. He's got two inches on, on the wingspan. I don't know if if uh, Stanley Johnson is going to play the four uh, at the NBA level. Um, I hope he does well. But I, I, liked, I liked what I've seen thus far of SJ. And then any anyone that has stood out to you is like, ew. I mean, there have been a couple well, on the PJ Hornets. Because well, yeah. I've, I've been Hornets-focused. So whenever I see right. PJ out there just chucking, I'm just like, dude, you should be – he should be dominating. You talk about dudes who should be dominating Summer League. That guy's had an NBA D-League season under his belt. He's had an NBA season under his belt. And he, pay, he played semi-professionally at UNC. Mm. I'm sorry, that was that was uncalled. For. Oh, 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 sorry. I'm looking. I'm looking up at my faller. I'm, I'm trying to pick my <laughs> faller here, and you, you're sliding in the the shade right now. Yeah, a little bit. All right. Uh, so I'm gonna real quick. My my baller is going to be. I gotta go. With, I, honestly, like I did not expect Stanley Johnson to play as well. Um, uh, but if I had to pick, well, first let me get to my faller. I'm going to go with two guys here. Rodney Hollis Jefferson, I thought, had a lot to prove coming into summer league, mm-hmm. and, and I think he's proving his doubters um, right, and and uh, less so than um, you know pe- people who are who are trying to uh, trump his praises. And then also the other Harrison, Andrew Harrison, hasn't really 
no. uh, played to the level that said, oh, he deserved to be drafted over Aaron. I mean, he got outplayed in that that matchup. Um, and then a guy I really like this uh, summer league outside of uh, the Hornets, although one guy I have, uh, I've already mentioned him, Brian Quale. I mean, has really played well for this. Uh, he, he deserves a look from some other teams. Um, uh, but another guy, I'm going to go to the Heat, uh, but I'm going to go away from Justice Winslow and say Reed, Willie Reed. Oh, yeah, yeah. This guy playing really well right now. And, again, he might not get a look from the Heat, um, but he certainly deserves a a look from some other teams. Uh, So those are our ballers and fallers. Uh, For more summer league coverage, you have to check out atthehive.com. We've got uh, previews and recaps of all of the summer league action for the Hornets. We have the the game coming up tomorrow, so there's still summer league action to play. Uh, Keep it locked in there on At The Hive. Can I do 10 seconds on Rondé Hollis real quick? Yes. Billy King. (laughs) <laughs> greatest gen- general manager of all time well, trades you know. a, a legitimate big man Mason Plumley to the Trailblazers for a guy who's struggling. Who, against he can't. Well, look, he can't. His shot is broken. Yeah. In, in a in a in an era where you need to be able to shoot the basketball in his position, um, uh, he's and maybe he fits a need there. I don't know, but he he certainly uh, hasn't uh, shown me as much as I think uh, he needed to show people in order to, again, justify, yeah, like you said, justify that move there by the Nets. All right, again, Summer League, not the only thing to talk about, though. Free agency, the dust is starting to settle after a wild week of deals. The Hornets have had more uh, guys walk out the door than come into the door, and that has some fans frustrated. And that brings us to another Hornets Hot Topic. It's so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. All right, so... Free agency, we haven't – there's been no deals. We join uh, – so here's the, the the teams that we join and not having uh, done any kind of free agency moves. Denver, uh, Utah Jazz, Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, this is not company you really want to be in, but is this a bad thing? Well, John Schumann uh, tweeted this out earlier. I retweeted it that uh, the Hornets and Sixers amongst those three teams, it was Denver, Philadelphia, and Charlotte have yet to make any – um, moves in free agency and uh, Charlotte and and uh, the Sixers have actually added players via trade the Nuggets haven't done anything right so what a lot of fans you know I, I believe they don't understand is that the Hornets are at the cap that they're capped out okay after you bring on Batum after you bring in uh, uh, the guys they brought in thus far they are over the cap so they can only spend what is known as the mid-level exception and this is a non-taxpayer's mid-level exception, which is a contract roughly, if they sign all four years, it'd be something around $6 million per year, roughly, uh, based on previous uh, year's uh, cap numbers. So we're talking like four years, $24 million is the max they can go. So when you see a guy like Corey Joseph, who everyone's like, oh, that guy would be a great backup uh, uh, point guard for Charlotte. Well, the Raptors are going to offer him $30 million. Uh-huh. over the same time because they know there's teams out there that have the MLE that that can only go 24. So the Hornets are having to just wait for whoever's left. Unfortunately, that's just the name of the game. I don't want to I don't want to simplify this. I'm in danger of simplifying this. So I just want to preface this. I don't want to, but I probably will end up doing this by by saying what I'm about to say. But if you look at last year, we made the free agency splashes and you know, we were we were disappointed. Brian Roberts, we were disappointed. Marvin Williams, 
played, you know, very effectively and, and, and did some things that helped the Hornets at times, but overall, $7 million, disappointed. Lance Stevenson won't even get into it, okay? And so this year, the Hornets, Rich Cho, decides to take a different tact. And in my, I'm sitting back going, is there something wrong with that? Do, what, what, is, what is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing twice, expecting different results? So to me, the Hornets getting in this melee, which is what it was. I mean, the, the beginning of free agency was insanity. It was insanity. You know, to get involved in that, to me, would be insanity. Well, and it, so I, I, I respect Well, yeah, Doug, I mean, it, it, you're right. And, you know, to in, to be able to get into the insanity, they would have had to do something crazy like the Sacramento Kings just did to open up that cap space, right? They'd have to unload guys, right? Unload contracts. And to, to unload them, they'd have to, you know, attach picks or prospects mm-hmm. to that. And they said, no, we're just going to stand pat. And we're going to do our damage via trades. And, and look at the trades they made. It's hard to say that the, the roster is, is less equipped to win this coming season than it was a month and a half ago. The, the buzz, excuse me for the pun here, but the buzz phrase around this NBA free agency, it seems like to me, is bad asset management. I just hate it. I hate that phrase. Regarding the Hornets, you mean? Regarding the Hornets, regarding several other teams, just bad asset management. I I just, I can't see bringing in Batum, bringing in Kaminsky, bringing in Lamb, three guys that can shoot when this team needed shooting more than anything else. And, and you, and again, if you look at the contracts next year and how things start to open up and you have all the opportunity in the world if you're the Hornets. How is that bad asset management? Okay. And and I get it. I get into it on Twitter a lot with people who are like of the Daryl Morey, Sam Hinkie school for, uh, for lack of a better term. And I get where they're going. The problem Explain is. Explain it to me. Well, they help see, me. The, that school of thought is that you have assets. And if you're not going to win the championship or be in contention for championships, then you need to just collect assets until a superstar player comes along, or you can be bad enough so that you can luck into a top one, two, or three pick and then get a transcendental superstar, right? So I get that's the philosophy, and it's very sound, and it's hard to prove those people wrong. Uh, except for it's never really happened uh, for a sustained period outside of Oklahoma City. And I can get into that later. It's it's a long and drawn out story. Long story short, that they only tanked for really two years. They tanked for two years, mm-hmm. once in Seattle, once in Oklahoma, and they nailed the draft. I mean, mm-hmm. like absolutely nailed the draft in every single one nice. of those. Yeah, everyone's every single one of those picks. So um, in the meantime, you end up like Boston. Boston can't give these draft picks away, these quote unquote assets. They can't give them away. Mm-hmm. It's, well, it turns out a lot of them are like next year in the 2016 draft when the draft class is weak. And they're like probably going to be between the picks of 12 and like 22. So you're, you're going to be just like bad and directionless for like a half a decade. Guess what? Bobcats slash Hornets fans know what that feels like already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're very familiar. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm very familiar with how last year went. And so, again... When I look at this strategy and and not going and, and collecting, here's the thing. In my mind, it's not about money. 
it's about years because anybody or, or most I was surprised talking about free agency in general. I was surprised at how many guys decided to elect security, financial security for the next couple of years, like a Jimmy Butler, because all we heard was, oh, guys are going to take one year deals and and defer till 2016. Well, that's not what guys did. A few guys no. did it, but that's not what guys did overall. And so I'm looking at it and going, anyone that the Hornets get or, or try to go after is probably asking for three or four years and you're locked in. And, and, and we're not talking about guys that are going to start. We're not talking about guys that may that may not even crack the second unit or end up like Brian Roberts who fell, 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 fell. Yeah. So do you really want to invest another three years in a new crop of free agents? I don't think so. Well, in a lot of ways, they're they're putting off free agency for next season. And next next July is going to be, and I'll, I'm going to write about it this coming year. <laughs> Stay it, tuned. It's, it's, it's going to be chaos. And let's, because you got Nick Batum, you got Al Jefferson, uh, both unrestricted free agents next July. And if they have rebound years, you look at all the money that's going to open up next year when the cap jumps to 80 million plus, and you see all the teams that have all this extra cash and there's hardly any marquee free agents like outside of like Kevin Durant, you have Joakim Noah, right? Who's just as hurt as Al Jefferson has been, if not more so. And these guys, Al Jefferson and, and, and Nick Batum, they may get $20 million a season next next July. Hopefully not, but they could get 18 to $20 million per. And then, of course, you got Michael Kidd Gilchrist as, uh, as a restricted free agent. I hope they do that deal this summer. I hope they can swing a deal to get him locked in like they did Kemba last year. Right, and then you've got – and that's the thing. Then the Hornets have a core locked in, but also have the financial flexibility to – possibly re-sign Batum if he has a great year. Again, it's about options. It's about opportunity. That's why I I tend to agree with the move because uh, again, you're 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 betting on opportunity. You're betting on opportunity from the guys that you've brought in via trade, but you're not handicapping yourself for the future. So we'll we'll see how things. Again, I could be wrong, or or the or the the people who are out there that uh, think that you know Corey the the Corey Josephs or the uh, you know, Aaron Aflalos of the world would have been better opportunities. Maybe they're right. Who knows? Well, one quick thing uh, before we wrap up the free agency for next year, Charlotte's going to have, I have them on the books now for like around 59 to $60 million in cap space next season. They can sign whoever they want. Okay? Well, it, it's going to be, uh, again, it's not all, unfortunately with a small market, it's not always well, about They have the opportunity, opportunity to sign whoever they want. They can trade for Carmelo Anthony. Why not? You know? Why do you always have to go there? You always go there. I see you on Twitter going there all the time. Because it's very Bobcatsian of them to do so. Let's bring in uh, our wonderful, our esteemed, our award-winning producer, uh, Katie, uh, with some some Twitter action going on. Do we have anything interesting there on the Hive Talk Live Twitter? Oh, let me just see if I can bring her back in. I think There we go. Katie, can you hear us? I think that Bobcats talk turned her off. Yeah, she's, she's like, screw she's this gone. team. He's like, I'm done. I'm a Hornets fan. That's all right. Well, let's see. I could probably bring up a, a few of these. We've got, uh, uh, oh, what, uh, one of the guys from Baseline Buzz there, Bradford, saying uh, typically they say you can't necessarily trust success in summer league, but if you struggle, it's a bad sign. So, again, going back to the what we'll call the Trey Burke corollary, uh, that you, you have to take success with a grain of salt, but comfort 
uh, something that you really have to look at in summer league. Hey, Bradford's smart. He says that it's true. There you go. Well, yeah, you would say that. Um, Scott tweeting us, summer league is like the fourth quarter of NFL preseason. Who cares? Ask question at the all-star break. My money is still on Winslow. So I, I imagine that was in response to Justice versus Frank. And I'll just say this about Justice. He's just quiet. He doesn't, you know, he, he got his 15 a game, but there were a lot of times that I've watched him in summer league and I've gone like, he's just standing around. He He's not, and you talk about is Frank being assertive or is he finding his game? I'm just surprised that Justice is not taking the opportunity to be more of a, a give me the ball, let me show you what I can do kind of guy. And I, that, and I think, again, you go back to like, why did he drop? Some people say shooting, but some people say it was a character thing. It doesn't, and a character thing doesn't always mean, oh, this guy's a bad apple. It means, that was my like 50s dad, this, guy's, <laughs> this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Um, no, sometimes it means like, Maybe this guy doesn't have like the it thing, like the the I'm going to go out and 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 get mine kind of attitude, and and, and sometimes you need that. Well, you know, it's that's funny because Kawhi Leonard was actually accused of similar things <laughs> four years ago, well, and uh, and and we all know how that guy well, turned out. He's in the D League, right? For every, oh. for every Kawhi Leonard, there's a dozen other guys who who never do figure it out. I'm really interested in what Winslow's role is going to be with the Heat because. Hmm. Can he play with Dwayne Wade? I don't know if he can play next to Dwayne Wade. I know they have a lot of shooting because Bosch can shoot, and then they've got the you know Chalmers or whoever they trot out at point guard. And you know, but let's say you play, you you go three out. Can you play two wings who have a really difficult time launching three pointers? Well, and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think Dwayne Wade's getting a little old, and and he doesn't. Pl- I hear that he doesn't play all of the games. <laughs> I think you don't maybe yeah. it's sort of, you don't even necessarily need to play them beside one another. You just need to play them on, on rotating nights. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good call. Maybe he's just Dwayne Wade insurance. There you go. Uh, so it'll be, I think it'll be interesting to see yeah what justice role is. Um, I think Stanley Johnson is going to be a really good NBA player, but Chris brings up a good point. Can he control his emotions? That hasn't stopped other guys from being. When somebody said that on Twitter, mentioned that he had that he had a bad attitude, that he was getting into it with the rest, and I'm like, oh, so he's every other like superstar in the NBA. <laughs> okay, good, we're good. Chris I, Paul is the same. Yeah, in Johnson, the, the thing about Johnson that still scares me today that it did two months ago is that uh, will he be able to get that shot up in the paint against NBA length? I, I I don't know. It's very low release. He's not he's not an explosive guy. We'll have to see. And he's doing well so far. So that's good news for Pistons fans. Yeah, well, absolutely. And and I know some Pistons fans, they need good news. So that's that's good for them. <laughs> uh, talk, but we're talking about free agency. Let's kind of talk about real quickly. Let's see how much time do we have left. Got about 15 minutes left. Yeah, we can talk about this for another five minutes. Uh, let's talk about the the NBA free agency bonanza at large. Um, what surprised you? I, I sort of said what surprised me most, that guys – weren't taking the option uh, to basically defer to TV money next season. What has surprised you most about this free agency period? Oh, man. So many things have been surprising. And, you know, in retrospect, it shouldn't have been. We, we should have realized that people knew the cap was going up and they were going to spend like Larry Brown on a drunken sailor binge. Uh, 
that that that's a Bobcats reference, by the way. I don't I don't know how Larry Brown would actually spend money when he was drunk. Um, but, you know, just just throwing out giant contracts for guys. I mean, we saw. I mean, Aaron Baines. I mean, Aaron, only hardcore Spurs fans know who Aaron Baines is, and the guy I got. So like, I was on I was on a Detroit Pistons podcast, and they had no idea who Aaron Baines was. And to be fair, I had little I knew of him. He's one of those guys. I, yes, I know of him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what did he get? He got like, what did he, did he get a full seven or six? Was it six per? Or well, was it big seven? guys. I mean, big guys who can who can stay on the floor are they're much more valuable than yeah. Than I you mean, would think. But you're right. I mean, so guys. The, but but and, the and, money. It, it the caught money. people off guard, though. That and, and to your point, it, some people were really baffled that this was happening. But it, but it all makes sense when you think about it because people try to warn everyone that there's not a bad contract yeah there well that's that's the theory and here's here, here's <laughs> the, the theory here's the thing that really got me got me going this offseason i'm really angry at the kings um well it's hard to be angry because i love lottie because i watched Vladi when he was here for two years back in the mid 90s and i loved him then but he doesn't know what he's doing and he, he was put in a job that he's really not equipped to do if he's mm. really truly calling the shots there in sacramento but they are bailing out the Sixers, like they gave the Sixers are, are out there looking for people to invest in their hedge fund. Right. And they found a guy, you know, this it's Bernie Madoff instance where they could just say, we, we got this. We've got this uh, cap room. We want to open up. They're like, oh, sure. Let's get a couple of pick swaps for that. Maybe <laughs> a, a mid a mid round pick or a lottery pick. And then and then we'll take Stauskas. And it's like. You're and listen, just get two of your friends to sign up and everything will be great. Exactly. And it's, <laughs> and it's like, dude, that, that's what these guys are doing. You should know that Hinky, that's his whole M.O. That's what that's what he's trying to do is sucker idiots into making these deals. So I feel bad for Kings fans. They just got that. They just kept their team. They made it official. They're getting a new arena and they got this owner who doesn't know what he's doing. It, it's that's to me the biggest surprise of the offseason. I thought Vivek was going to be a smart owner, a good a, a good owner eventually. Well, the problem is, and, and you see this a lot in, and I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to us right now who are in the working world can can relate to this. When you have three guys in management who all want to show how smart they are, that's oh. very, very yeah. dangerous, right? Because you've got George Carl who's who's uh, 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 been around the block a time or two and he's got a big ego and he he clashes with with guys that he has a history of it and then you've got Vlade who seems to need to prove himself in this role and then you've got Vivek who I think is a guy that just like like Daryl Morey and a couple other guys just thinks he can outsmart the league and when you have three guys all doing that at the same time then then the Sacramento Kings happen and there's they couldn't be any different. I mean, Vivek right. comes from Silicon Valley. Uh, Vladi comes from Euroball. It's Game of you Thrones. Know, it's, yeah, Sacramento and then you got George, George Carl, who's like a Larry Brown disciple slash you know old school. Yes, from school the land of, of Larry Brown. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I I'll never forgive Larry Brown for from the two thousand. Vivek, Vivek marched from the Silicon Valley yeah. <laughs> to take the throne. I mean these these characters, man. They're all characters. That's great. At least it's it, worth they're the new Knicks. About. They're it's the fun. like last year we always talked about like at least Hornets fans take solace. You're not a Knicks fan. Well, this year it's uh, it's unquestionably take solace, Hornets fans. You're you're not a Kings fan. Well, here's a question for you, Doug. Mm-hmm. As and okay, I thought about this a couple of days ago. Where would you rank currently the Hornets franchise in the top thirty 
or the, the 30 teams in the NBA. Because they used to be, you, you, you can make a case that they were legitimately the worst franchise in, this, in the sport. They have certainly arisen in the past three or four years. In terms of? Just overall competency, direction, just, just like a, an overall franchise assessment. I would put us, or the Hornets, probably, the first thing that came to mind was sort of three quarters of the way down. So... You know, there there have been some some draft mishaps and some ramifications, but I feel like they're in a position now where they can start to move up to that halfway point. Um, but I don't I don't put them there yet because uh, there's still a lot of miles to go. But I'll say this: I think perception of the franchise is much lower. I think bottom five in terms of how sports writers, how sort of fringe fans of the team, hardcore, I think even a group, a group of hardcore fans of this team, the perception of the team and the decisions that they make, uh, no matter the basketball logic, are viewed in the bottom five. And so how do you, you know, I, here's, what I, here's what I'm impressed by, though. I'm impressed that Rich Cho has stuck to what he does best. And 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 he, he's they're not letting and and I think going back to Sacramento, Sacramento, I think a lot of times they let the perception and, and franchises do this, like the Knicks do it all the time. They let the perception of the franchise affect the decisions the franchise make. All credit to Rich Cho hasn't done that. He he hasn't gone and, and and necessarily gone out and done things that say that scream like panic because the perception of the franchise. Now you can make an argument. Well, Jordan is trying to position this franchise in a way to make money and 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 bounce off of the Hornets revival. So in a way they're doing that, but they're not making basketball decisions that are crippling the future of the franchise and that's the difference in my Yeah, mind. yeah, I agree with you 100%. It, it it a lot of people think that that the Hornets made these moves for Batum, etc. as a desperation move. This is not desperate. This is a solid basketball decision. They know that Batum can leave. Sure, next season. They did this knowing that they will they have the ammunition to re-sign him. They want to build a quality basketball organization. I think they're in the bottom, they're right at the edge of the bottom third and the second third. And like you said, okay. I think by by the end of next July, they can be in the middle, right? Dead in the middle in if terms the, of yeah, if the decisions NBA Batum, if Batum rebounds, I, if if Lamb can contribute at all, MKG and, develops further late. I mean, yeah. more, you know, they, they are gonna be. They're, they're going to be a legitimate franchise, and that's a huge step for a team that has come out of this darkness of of, of 10 years of, of mishaps mm-hmm. and, and a poor brand. To be, we can get into that later. Well, even the, what, the, the biggest mishap that they've had in the past couple of years, Lance Stevenson, wasn't so bad that they couldn't spin the wheels and get out of it. No, it's you know, so, brilliant. you know. Brilliant. Hawes can play. Hawes is okay. Uh, again, we're lighting up Twitter right now. I don't think that's he's a okay. Popular he's he's going to play for them this year. Well, and again, it's a, it's a it's a low risk gamble, right? So even if he doesn't pan out, it's a it's a low risk gamble when you consider that that we we were going to be stuck with with uh, Lance anyway. All right, you mentioned Kid Gilchrist development. We want to end on this note. Uh, the Hornets have hired a new coach, a new assistant coach, and, and they're calling him the the new shot doc, uh, Rick Bonnell there on on uh, the Charlotte Observer. Uh, Bruce, I'm gonna I'm gonna nail this name, Kreutzer. Uh, excuse all of our German fans out there if I butchered that, but Bruce Kreutzer, um, 
the new shot doc for the Hornets, he he's, uh, has some history there in Charlotte prep schools, and he knows uh, Mark Price. They've worked together, and Bruce has worked with the team previously, worked with MKG previously. This is great, great news. Oh, man, that that was my biggest stressor after the end of the season when, when Mark Price got the job, assistant coach Mark Price and former shooting coach Mark Price got the job with UNCC as the head coach there because he had done such great work with MKG. I mean, I have gone back on YouTube and watched MKG's new jump shot compared to his old one, and I just I smile when I see these clips because mm-hmm. it's, it's like a legitimate jump shot. Is it great? Eh, it's a legitimate jump shot. Functional. And he, he can pull up and he can shoot it from 18, 16. That's feet. the thing, confidence. Yeah, and I love it. I love seeing that. And then, of course, he leaves, and I'm like, okay, well, cool. They got this guy. And by the way, this guy's got the ultimate, like, get off my lawn sort of stereotype look about right. it. It's kind of cool to see Absolutely. a guy like that on the staff, you know, like an old grizzled, <laughs> looking at, looking uh, an old grizzled vet, you know, like, I, I love it. Shoot the ball. Um, Do it wrong. <laughs> So, uh, according to this uh, Observer article, again, Gilchrist and Kreutzer have worked together in the past, and increasing MKG shooting range is his top priority. So, that's welcome news for Hornets fans. And, and again, he has Charlotte ties. He's worked uh, with Mark Price before. And that's the thing. You know, you talk about Rich Cho and the moves that he makes, but you also have to look at the little personnel moves that happen. And, and bringing Mark Price on, when you bring – great talent into your staff, oftentimes it has ripple effects. So when they leave, you know, it's it's an underrated part of it, but Mark Price makes sure that the organization is taken care of and, and they have that development and have guys waiting in the wings. Uh, and the Spurs are the obvious. You oh, know, yeah. They're, they're constantly rotating in great talent, and that happens because, again, we talk about it. We talked about it a lot last year when people are calling for Clifford's job. There's something to be said for organizational stability. Yeah, that's a that's an astute point, Doug. I mean, he that they he made sure to transition the franchise. He didn't just leave; he mm-hmm. transitioned them. He had a plan. Mark Price has always been a class act. My brother was a ball boy for the Hornets for a day. He like won one of these contests back in like the mid nineties, right? And Mark Price, we were sitting there watching Mark Price before the game. Show my brother some some just tips. Love it. How to shoot the uh, the the jumper? And I was like, that guy's a class act. That guy's like an NBA All Star, taking time with a ball boy. I love it. Well, again, you know, it's it's it goes back to that point that and we we bring it up. A lot of people bring it up when 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 head coaches start to get fired. It's like, you know, again, you're you're setting you're going to reset the organization, and so you don't have that uh, you don't have that uh, talent that they already have in their back pocket ready to come in. You've got to reset everything, uh, and so it's good especially for a guy like MKG who's building his confidence, right? I mean, you don't want to suddenly change the game for him or have somebody come in and, and give him a new set of rules. And it seems like Bru- uh, Coach uh, Kreutzer here is uh, knows exactly uh, what Mark Price has done previously. And so, again, it's it's not you don't have to rebuild anything. You just start to extend that range. So it's, it's good stuff there. MKG isn't even 22 yet. He by hasn't the turned way, twenty two. By the way, he could he could have a big season. I'm I hope he stays healthy and and continues the growth because I'm I, I'm excited to see what MKG can do. Absolutely. Well, that'll do it for us, friends. Great show. Thank you so much, Adam, for subbing in here and joining us. Follow him on Twitter at baseline buzz. Visit uh, baselinebuzz.com. Thanks so much also to our guest Chris Barnwall from At the Hive. He's live in Orlando. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Chris Barnwall. And, of course, follow at the hive at underscore the underscore hive on Twitter. Hey, follow us on Twitter, too, Facebook and Instagram at Hive Talk Live. 
Get the latest on showtimes and insider Hornets info. Hive Talk Live is a production of SB Nation and at thehive.com. For previews, recaps, and more on your Charlotte Hornets, visit at thehive.com. I'm Doug for Adam and producer Katie. Thanks so much for listening. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Let's swarm, Charlotte. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.